There's a so, pug down here. Who's a pug? <laughs> Ludo's visiting. Handsome boy. We're going to cut this out. No. He's so handsome. We're definitely cutting this out. No, he's so handsome. You can hear how handsome he is. We have to cut it out. We're not going to be those animal podcast people. Boom. Man, tonight is a night full of interruptions. Yeah, it is. Oh yeah. Welcome to the Side Attendant Podcast. Again. The thirteenth time. Wait, is this the thirteenth episode? Yeah. Oh. I kinda lost count after uh ten. <laughs> well, uh for those of you who aren't up to speed, we are three after ten now. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Um Yeah. Uh super excited to be back again. Another great film. Uh in the books no actually i I thought this one was fine yeah it was fine uh you got any old announcements for us um not necessarily announcements but we did get some interaction which was really cool um one of our listeners from wisconsin uh messaged me to tell me that she was watching the mandalorian with ad and uh that she like got used to it really quick and she also like wasn't anticipating the language that they use so she like specifically cited like the Mandalorian delivers the coup de gras and she was like I never considered that like the language might be exciting I just kind of assumed it would just be like descriptions yeah Um, I mean it definitely like plays a part right mm -hmm. we were watching some uh, nature doc the other night with audio description and I like definitely was like excited at moments yeah well um, it kept saying like herbivore and that was really annoying because like yeah. you know what the animal is well so here's the thing i was thinking about it a little bit more so take this right let's say you and i were writing the audio description mm-hmm. for a nature program okay yeah and we see is Midna. that Frisco? No, oh, that's Midna, Midna scratching. Upstairs, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's say we're watching like a nature doc and we see a musk ox. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's just standing out there on the savannah. Being musky and oxy. Yeah. Are the musk oxen, are they on the savannah? I don't I know. Either way. So he's hanging out there, right? And we're writing the script for the audio description. Okay. And I'm like... 40% sure that it's a musk ox. I'll just write herbivore. But how do you know that it's an herbivore? Um, Like, why would you know more about its diet than its name? Well, so I think in general, like, if it doesn't have pointy teeth, it's probably an herbivore. How do you know that it doesn't have pointy teeth? I mean, you, I imagine you, like, my guess is that you see it munching on some grass. No. So you call it an herbivore. Either way, all I'm saying is I think that it's a result of the person writing the audio description not being positive as to what the name of the animal is. But so like, just defaulting to... Why wouldn't they just like contact the company that did like the filming? I, I don't know how that the whole thing works. I, I know that typically like uh, audio descriptive works and I'm trying to think of some of the other companies that I've heard named, but like these these companies 
don't necessarily have like wildlife experts and I don't know what they like whether they're contracted through the network or through the production company that made the show in the first place. You know what I mean? What size company would you say it would be? They're probably a big company. <laughs> uh, that's a Donald Trump reference for <laughs> people who aren't uh, familiar with the current uh, U.S. president. Oh. He says things like big company sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I imagine it's just a matter of the person writing the script for the AD not knowing. But that's the best I can come up with. Well, at least it had AD. One yeah. step at a time. Um, but back to the Mandalorian and our friend in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said that, honestly, during the pandemic, I find it super hard to focus on things. And I think that this audio is helpful to keep me engaged. It's the first time I've ever listened to anything that's been audio described, but I think it's good. It's never on top of character audio. It's a female voice, which I like. And it's nice to hear the terminology and the names of the different Star Wars aliens, ships, items. Yeah, that's one thing, too, is like in situations where they are working directly. Like, so um, Disney made The Mandalorian, right? Mm -hmm. And they're also the company that like contracted directly for that audio description. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that communication is a lot easier. And I imagine they were potentially like people at Disney or Lucasfilm were the ones writing the AD track. They're like writing the AD script. Mm -hmm. But so it won't be like fuzzy little bear. Like they'll have names for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I um, noticed on, I believe the Star Wars episode five AD that they um, referred to a character as a Jawa when it was definitely not a Jawa. And I, <laughs> I don't remember. I'll have to go back and find what it was. <laughs> but they referred to a creature by its not its actual In- name. Incorrect name. Yeah. Not by its scientific name. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I have grievances to air. I love you so much. Um, but, oh, another one. So we, you're talking about script writing. Um, mm-hmm. She wanted to know if it's a voice actor or something and if they have a script to read or are they describing like what they see or some combination of both? I I believe uh, my understanding, to at least the best of my understanding, is that it is a... Sometimes it's the same person. I know that for sure. Um Sometimes it's a separate person that will write the script out for them and then they'll read it. And I don't know exactly. um, Maybe we can get a little interview with a person that does audio description for some popular programs. Um, But the best I've been able to understand is someone writes the script, someone does the reading and then a third person like edits the track together. Sometimes they're all the same person though. It's kind of like how we run our podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, like doing it in real time would be quite difficult, but I will say that there are a few, um, playhouses, uh, uh, theaters that do live real time AD for stage shows. Dang. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's our, uh pal's uh ad experience 
Did they say anything else about it or just that it was like easy, like they got used to it pretty quick? Uh, yeah, uh, they, I mean, they just enjoyed that it was like a lady voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we have noticed a lot of different um, recordings and stuff have been like people with accents or lots of lady voices and stuff like that. So it's nice to get that variety. Oh my God, it's seven o'clock at night. Hit some caffeine. <laughs> no. We're not doing those iced coffees. Um, yeah, so uh, one thing I noticed on the Game of Thrones AD mm-hmm. is that it is a person with a uh, British accent, mm-hmm. an accent of the, the queen. <laughs> not sure. <laughs> um, I'm a bit of I, a peasant. I'm not familiar. Yeah, well, I don't know like if it specifically like is on like if like they contracted to get like the british released ad or if there was an ad produced by an american company Mm -hmm. i don't know um but it's just interesting i guess that that's got a british accent and i've noticed a couple other things that had like a a audio describer with a british accent Mm -hmm. so um other big audio description news (gasps) oh boy hbo max um settled their suit today because they were being sued by two individuals and two organizations at the same time i think it was all part of the same suit uh because they have no audio described content which we've bitched about uh pretty regularly on this podcast mm-hmm. they did it um they're currently committed to at least 1,500 hours of audio described content between now and March of 2021. Dang. It's at the end of March of 2021. So uh, that's a lot of content, which is great. Um, and I imagine a lot of the movies they have probably already have audio description mm-hmm. somewhere. So they just got to like go out and get that. But the other stuff, um, and it says moving forward, all original content will also be audio described. And anything that was in... Or that had moved into post-production after the launch of HBO Max, which was March of this year, 2020. Mm. So I don't know if that will include Lovecraft Country or not. But I'm not sure. At, either way, uh, it's great news. Um, really excited. A little bit disappointed that they had to be sued, basically. But still really exciting. That is very exciting. Um, I know, like, we, while we were just talking about Game of Thrones, um, it already has audio description. So, like, that'll be a quick win for them because how many hours is that? It's what is like, it, seven seasons? No, it's six. Call it six seasons, roughly. Six seasons of ten, and then the seventh and eighth are 13 together. So just call it roughly 85 hours of content. Are the episodes an hour each? About that, yeah. Yeah, so that's, there you go. You got 85 hours right there. And I don't know if they'll re-record that audio description or if they'll just use, like, what's already available on the DVDs. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, really great news. Super excited. I'm really hoping they go back and do True Detective. Ooh. Um, Because I really loved, season one of True Detective was really good. Because I think that was, like, the beginning of Skinny Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> and skinny matthew mcconaughey is a way better actor than buff no shirt mcconaughey why i don't he's just a better i don't i don't know i i can't tell you why I but the he's the dallas buyers club mm-hmm. uh wolf of wall street 
Uh, yeah. I forgot how skinny he was in that one, too. I mean, he's said to be all coked up. Yeah. You know? Coke makes you lose some weight, so. I don't know anything about Coke. You know this. Well, I mean, you know about, like, pop culture's uh, portrayal of Coke and Coke use. I suppose. Is that everyone's all skinny. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I really hope they go back and do that. Frisco. Um, I'm hoping they go back and do Carnival. Did you ever watch Carnival on HBO? No. Frisco. Frisco's visiting. Hey, Frisco, can you lay down? Oh, hey, God. Oh, he's on my cord. Frisco, what are you doing? You're ruining my life. I'm just kidding. Frisco, down. Good boy. He's making a racket. Holy crap. Do you want to talk about a film? Yeah, a Nick Cage film, in fact. Let's do that. It's called Go ahead. Eight Millimeter. Ooh, Eight Millimeter. That's the size of Jordan's penis. I've been waiting forever to say that. Have you? Yep. That's good. It's a very <laughs> nice thing for you to say. It's actually the size of your nipples. Thank you. Big, giant, eight millimeter ones. Just like they hang down. They're like, uh, like half a Slim Jim. <laughs> Yeah, right? I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, you come at me with your bullshit. Now I'm just imagining half a Slim Jim between your legs. So There you go. Uh, Anyway, getting into this movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, nipples and penises, this movie, <laughs> um, I will go ahead and trigger warning up front. This movie is about murder. It is about sexual violence. It is about sexual murders, um, specifically dealing with uh, snuff films. Anything else to warn against? I don't think so. I'll hit you with the trivia up front that uh, it had to go through like four separate edits to get it down from NC-17 to R. Really? Yeah. Whoa. And the uh, script writer got in like a huge argument and basically disowned the film because of how much they were toning it down well i mean if they have to appeal to a bigger audience well this like the workshopping of this whole film went through a uh, hundred and ten different stages of being a gritty like handicammed done film starring russell crowe to what what we ended up getting <laughs> that is wild yeah uh, I think Bruce Willis was, Nick Nolte, uh, Val Kilmer. There were a bunch of people. Like, Well, thankfully, they went with the right choice. Went with Nick Cage, our boy. It's um, your boy. Anyone else in this like super recognizable other than Nick Cage and Joaquin Phoenix? Uh, yes. James Gandolfini is in it. Oh, yeah. James Gandolfini's in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catherine Keener is also in it. I don't know who that is. Should I? I know you don't. I knew as soon as like I wrote it down in the notes that you wouldn't know. I I don't know people. You don't know women. Oh, is that? <laughs> I don't know men either. I don't know your uh, Goggins boy. <clears throat> What's his name? Walton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Um. She was in Being John Malkovich. Don't know that film. She was also in Capote don't know that film the 40 year old virgin okay you just listed four films about old white dudes yeah and she I was also in get out and i don't know those films so the idea 
I get out about old white dudes too. Um, <laughs> so this uh, this idea that it's only women that I don't know is uh, not true. Mm-hmm. I'm not sexist. You're sexist. You're definitely sexist. Um, Did you hear you talking about manipul earlier? Oh, is that sexism? That's very sexist. Oh, sorry. Um, Did so you yeah. ever watch any of the Percy Jackson films? No. Percy Jackson and the Lightning Boys? Percy Jackson and the Olympians. No. Not all Olympians are Lightning, lightning boys. boys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, never saw any of those films. Jeez. Did you see Get Out? Yeah. Because she was in Get Out. I didn't see Get Out. Well, I uh, watched Get Out, though. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know who that Makina, what's her name? <laughs> I don't know that lady. Um Catherine Keener. Yeah. Makina. Uh, it also has Peter Stormare in it. See, I don't know that person. And that yeah. sounds like a boy's name. It is. Yeah. He's from Fargo. Did you ever I, watch that I didn't film? ask where he was from. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, he was in the film Fargo. Oh, okay. He was also in the film Armageddon. Oh. Oh. Talking about Bruce Willis. He's also in American Gods, the television show. Never heard of that. I know. You have been sort of getting into um, Neil Gaiman stuff. Uh, Not really. I was just super, super thrilled. This should probably go towards the beginning because it is like a an announcement slash off, off discussion. But uh, I'm super thrilled and I'm going to download the Sandman. The mm. Neil Gaiman um, <laughs> graphic novel. Yes. Which is done as like an audio play on <gasps> Audible. I love those audio plays. Oh, we watched one. No, listened. That's the word I was looking for. To one uh, <laughs> this week. Yes. What was it called? Escape from Virtual Island. Virtual Island. Yeah, it was really good. Paul Rudd's, uh, Jack McBrayer, uh, Paula Pell. Gene Krakowski. Yeah. I don't remember what her name was. I don't know. Yeah, it was really good, though. Um, um, did you ever watch Castlevania? No. Mm, okay. Never mind. Never heard of it. Uh, so, yeah. Um, eight millimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'll rewarn. Super, super violence. Super uh, sexual assault. Um. But yeah, this film, uh, we're going to share this one, right? Yeah. So yeah, this thing opens up at the Miami International Airport, uh, which uh, fits our vibe of side attendant. Um, Have you been to that airport? No. I love it so much, and I'm, I'm excited to ask you, is there, so he is obviously like in a concourse or a terminal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, boarding a plane? No, I think he was getting off of a plane at that one. Okay. Because the two times that I've been to that airport, one time, two times. Either way, I've been to that airport, and when you go to board the plane, like, the jetway was this, like, concrete structure that was, like, lined with palm trees. Oh. It was real cool. That sounds pretty. And it was like you, it was like a 
concrete jetway weird thing and you had to walk like i it may have been like a quarter mile out on it and then that's where you like go down the little fake tunnely jetway thing mm-hmm. but uh yeah it was really pretty uh but yeah so he flies uh, the, like it's that scene and then he lands in like harrisburg which mm-hmm. is apparently his home or where he's from and then he's interacting and talking to some senator about some investigative stuff so this is where we find out that he i thought that right here that he was like in politics or mm-hmm. in like political stuff um but he turns out he's just like a private investigator type chap yes type chap sometimes we like look into the movie before we watch it but most of the time we do not we just go in yeah yeah unless um, we're like which one do you want to watch tonight well i don't know but what is this one about what is that one about but i almost like immediately forget what it's about anyway Oh, like if we go through a list of like 10, yeah. you forget what all the other ones are about? Or yeah, after because... we watch one, you forget what it was just about? <laughs> Both. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of getting to that uh, on some of these. They, Although, yeah, they all kind of like... <laughs> they're blending together. Blend together, yeah. uh, I mean, none of them will compare to the one we watched last week. Uh, Mom and Dad. Mm. Like about a bucket of dumpsters, that one was. Um, dumpsters. Yeah, dumpsters. Um, so, yeah, so he arrives back in Pennsylvania and gets called to a new job pretty much immediately, or does he fight a little bit with his wife first? He goes home and hangs out with his wife for a little bit. Okay. Um, but after that, he gets called to this new first job. Yeah. Or new job. New job, yeah. Where this, uh, rich old lady with like a rich old lady accent like a non-specific like high class new englander accent Mm -hmm. uh approaches him about her husband who just died had this film in his safe and she's like i'm pretty sure someone uh commits a crime in this film she shows it to him and it's just straight up a snuff film we were not prepared yeah like it's a really aggressive snuff film and Nick Cage is like sitting there struggling to watch it. Um, but they offer him an incredible amount of money to find out uh, who made this film or no, she's more concerned about whether or not the girl died. Yeah. She wants to know. She wants like, to know if it's real. Yeah. So uh, then Nick Cage basically accepts the job, right? Yeah. He watched it and he was, I wrote down V uncomfortable. Like, he's super uncomfortable watching it. Yeah, he's... Uh, Before, like, anything even starts happening, he's like, oh, guy in a leather mask? Ooh. Right. Um, so then, I mean, we could obviously dig into every little detail of, like, what he does, but uh, he pretty immediately decides to travel to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It's unclear why. Did we find out, like, what piece of evidence steered him towards cleveland no yeah i think we just missed it yeah either way he goes to cleveland and looks through like you know books and pages and pages of like missing persons records and finds who he thinks the the little lady female in the the film that got murdered is and like goes and strikes up a conversation with this girl's mother basically yeah and he does the old trick uh i noted it which is cool 
it's like a, a salesman trick to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, the uh, FBI agent that was assigned to the case, uh, Mr. Uh, agent, uh, mm-hmm. and you just do that, and then the person says it, and they remember it as if you said it. Mm-hmm. He does that and, like, worms his way in and talks to this mother and basically finds out that at some point a handful of years ago, she uh, ran away to Los Angeles with her boyfriend, right? Yeah, he found her diary in... In a toilet in tank? A toilet tank, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he asks the mom, like, oh, can I go root around in her, around in her room? Mm-hmm. And the mom tells him to go ahead. And after he, like, reads through the diary, doesn't he sit it back on, like, a desk or something? Yeah. Like, he doesn't put it right... Like, he doesn't put it back where he found it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the diary basically says, oh, I ran away to L.A. Yeah. And, and he like basically told the mom like, oh, I didn't find anything. Yeah. But and then like she finds leaves the, the diary. diary. Yeah. yeah. Eventually. So that sends Nick Cage to L.A. Oh, boy. Hold well, on. Yeah. First, he has like a, a confrontation because uh, in the diary, she says, I, I ran away to or I'm running away to L.A. with my boyfriend. Uh, whatever. Some dude. So and so. Yeah. And so um, he asks around about that, that particular individual. And <laughs> I'm cop using my, my cop talk. Cop, cop talk. Um, yeah, so he asks around about that particular individual and finds out that his father owns like an auto shop. Mm-hmm. And is this what you were wanting to? Oh, yeah, that like he like uh, has this chat with the father and the father's like, well, he's in jail, so go find him. Right. So he like goes to like the county jail or whatever. And the boyfriend is like a real POS mm-hmm. and like just talk shit about uh, Marianne Matthews, the missing girl. Oh, yeah. That's her name. What's Nick yeah. Cage's name in this? Tom. 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 Oh, good for Tom. Uh, So then our boy goes to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And basically in a city of what? 10 million people. I have no idea. Let's call it 10 million people. Just starts asking around. Well, he goes to like different casting places mm-hmm. and strip clubs and stuff, but I feel like they're probably a dime a dozen in LA, me knowing nothing about LA. Yeah. I mean, let's consider the fact that the city that I was previously from at one point had four strip clubs. Okay. And its population was under, what, 50,000? Yeah. So, Yeah extrapolate that out and you got a handful of strip clubs to search a couple handfuls but either way oh yeah um (laughs) (laughs) either way he goes digging around searching around asking questions uh making statements assuming and then he uh he also goes to like homeless shelters and stuff or not yet but i mean he it's it in general like he's digging around looking for those uh Places that this gal may have uh, landed. Yeah. And then he, uh, who does he, which of these things happens first? He um, finds out where she had stayed at one point or he meets Joaquin Phoenix. He meets Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. So he meets Joaquin Phoenix at a, a, at an adult bookstore. Mm-hmm. Which is also known as a porn store or a sex shop. Don't or, uh, what else are they called? Our listeners Gun are too young. Yeah, 
we kind of warned them at the beginning. So mm-hmm. an adult bookstore. Yeah. So we're at the adult bookstore, Walking Phoenix. Uh, and you told me this because, again, no audio description that he has blue hair. Mm-hmm. So cool. He's like a a uh, Tumblr girl from 2016. Yeah. I have blue hair like two years ago. I don't mm-hmm. know why you have to be like this. Hmm? Anyway. Um, <laughs> hit, hit us with the, what, what happens? Like, what's he do with Walking Phoenix? Um, so he actually uh, find out, finds out that uh, Max is Joaquin Phoenix's name. Uh, he uh, has the hookup on the underground weird sex stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, he uh, employs him. Yeah, basically. he basically like hires him on as an assistant. Yeah. Um, he then goes to the shelter where she had stayed. Like he just like goes and like asks around mm-hmm. at the shelter. I'm like, oh yeah, I recognize that gal. Mm-hmm. And uh, they still had like a suitcase Su- full of her yeah. stuff. And that leads him to like the casting place, I think. The casting place for porn. Pornography? Yes. Have you ever seen any of that? I'm not even familiar with what the term fully means. Yeah. Yeah. Have I think you? I saw. I th- yeah, I think I saw one, but I don't one pornography. Yeah, I don't remember though. Yeah. Um. So this is where James Gandolfini comes in, and he goes and he like asks him, "Hey, have you ever seen this attractive young lady? Mm-hmm. I'm one of her family members." And then how does James Gandolfini react? Oh, uh, he says something like, "Do you have any idea how many?" how much or what's he say yeah do you have any idea how much pussy comes through here pussy that reverts to female genitalia which honestly if i said hey i'm some someone's family member i don't necessarily want to hear do you have any idea how much pussy comes through here <laughs> uh, but, but he also like acts super suspicious too like oh yeah definitely it's clear that seen her. yeah it's clear that he yeah. knows who yeah mm-hmm um and nick cage then like sets up a sort of spy outfit across the way mm-hmm. like a what's the word uh what's it called when you're like uh posting outside stake out that's the word yeah like a stakeout yeah and he bugs his phone right yes um and this is where we hear uh, James Gandolfini's character talk to another guy and say, hey, there's a guy here asking about that uh, young lady that we had an interaction with. That was later on. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was right here. I thought no. it was... He stakes it out. Yeah. And he like bugs the phone and then he goes and harasses him like again. He's like, hey, I know what you did, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And it's re- basically like throwing out guesses and stuff, but apparently like guesses well enough. Right. He's basically trying to get him riled up enough to make a phone call. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and he gets like the telephone number like off of the bugging device and goes and talks, like he gets the name, goes and talks to Max. Max is like, yeah, I know 
who that is. That's Dino Velvet. Yeah. Everybody knows Dino Velvet. That's that's He makes the, jam. the craziest, weirdest pornography you've ever seen. And it's all underground shit. That's so wild. Yeah. So do they, I mean, they pretty much try to directly contact him, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, they go to New York City because that's where Dino is based out of. Right. And, um, and Nick's, the, the setup is that Nicolas Cage is trying to like, um, like commission, commission, yeah, commission his own deal. And, um, earlier on when we, uh, watch the film with Joaquin, Joaquin identifies one of the men in the film. Mm-hmm. Is it Joaquin that identifies the yes. masked man as a man be a man called the machine? Um, and he's the guy in the film that does the murder. Yeah, mm. he's the he's wearing like a leather mask. Yeah, and he has like a, a pentagram hood. tattoo on his right hand, like in the web between your pointer finger and your thumb. Yeah, he's got a tattoo there, and Nick Cage recognizes it on one of Dino Velvet's films. Um, and it was also. Um, in the, the snuff film that he watched with the young lady. Right. So Nick Cage goes to commission this film from Mr. Velvet. Mm-hmm. And his request is for a black woman, a white woman, and the machine. And then the rest is up to Mr. Velvet mm-hmm. as to what takes place. But Nick's final request was that he is allowed to watch it be filmed, right? Mm-hmm. Which is... Uh, I guess probably not necessarily that crazy, right? If I'm going to pay someone to make a, a film, I might want to like watch it be filmed, even a non-pornographic film, right? Mm-hmm. Might want to just like take, take a look and make sure they're doing everything like, all, all good and well, right? But what does he know about directing a pornographic film? Yeah, I mean, it's not, I guess, necessarily a matter of like whether you know, because even like I'm thinking even if I paid like funded a short film, Mm. non-porn film i don't know anything about making films but i still might want to like pop my head in and see you know that they're not violating like osha regulations (laughs) oh boy i didn't realize you were so uh safety first interested in osha violations safety first this boy requires so much attention yeah he's being a he's being a real boy tonight (laughs) um so Uh, but Mm -hmm. what happens what do you mean? He agrees what? He agrees to make the film. Yeah, but then what happens? Oh. Uh, ugh, shitload. Uh, <laughs> so from here, he like sets a date in a place or whatever. And Nick Cage shows up. And... Like on set. Yeah, on set. So earlier on, when he was first taking this job, along with the the wife of rich man that died... Um, we meet a lawyer man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the lawyer man we met? I do. He's there w- on the film set. Like he knew the whole time. What? What happened? Was it a trap? Kind of. Yeah, it was a trap. Um, Basically, they're going to put Nick Cage out. They're going to kill him. Dang. Because he found out too much. So it turns out that the lawyer along with the man that died, had funded this film together. And 
they uh nick cage finds out through some like weird banking shit that they basically spent a million dollars on the film yeah and um so yeah they they've got nick cage and nick cage uh sent joaquin phoenix home he's like oh yeah we're done all i gotta do is wrap this last little bit up and we're good to go i'll look you up if i'm ever in la yeah well guess what they've got joaquin phoenix tied up no so do you want to go through this like showdowny fight thing well first nick cage has to go and get the film he has to bring it back to them oh yeah that was the like they're like listen we've got your buddy here and we're gonna Mm -hmm. kill him so bring us the film and uh we won't kill him yeah so obviously you gotta bring the film right yeah so he brings the film and they set it on fire and apparently it was the only copy uh and then uh they tell machine to set max free and machine just slits his throat which i guess is kind of setting him free but free into the spiritual universe yeah that's true um but then there's like a big showdown uh and they like handcuff nick cage to a bed Mm -hmm. like just like one of his arms it's nothing sexy um and there's uh nick cage like reveals like how much money was spent and uh the lawyer gets real antsy pantsy about it because obviously james gandolfini and like uh machine and dino velvet were not like given that big of a cut so they get upset about that um and there's like a big shootout uh, the lawyer dies. Dino Velvet dies. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage stabs Machine. Yeah. But James Gandolfini gets away. Machine gets away. Um, after the chase scene, like he calls his wife. Which so he's called his wife several times through this like searching situation, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Just come home. I'm sad and." want you to be home mm-hmm. type of type of situation there yeah um but when he calls her at this point he's like listen i'm very close to being done uh with this job and she says i'm very close to being done with this marriage basically yes. they don't use their the lines they use are not nearly as clever as what i just said mm-hmm. um but uh he basically decides that he's got to follow through with the job well, yeah. To get justice for this girl that was murdered. Yeah. Um, so he tracks down uh, James Gandolfini. <sighs> yeah? You forgot a big part. Oh, did I? Yeah. He, like, calls Mrs. Christian. Oh, yeah. He call- I uh, Sorry, I thought it was after the James Gandolfini thing. Um, yeah, he calls uh, Mrs. Christian, who is the original lady that hired him for this job, and informs her of all the things that went down and basically tells her, yeah, your husband paid to have this film made. It's not just something he happened to have. Mm-hmm. Like, it was something that he purchased and commissioned. And the lawyer made it a point to say earlier, like, he did it because he could right yeah he did it because he was rich enough to just be able to do it Mm -hmm. yeah um so 
then he I, doesn't he i think he schedules an appointment to go visit her yeah they make the a next, plan to like go to the, see like each other next morning the next day yeah mm-hmm. so then cut to him going to see her the next day and there's a doorman who stops nick cage and says she took her own life last night mm-hmm. and she left this envelope for you and she left this envelope for the victim marianne mm-hmm. so now nick cage is very motivated to get some justice mm-hmm. for the girl and now the woman that just uh ended her own life yes so then he goes to find james gandolfini mm-hmm. and he does and he uh what they i don't remember what draws them to this abandoned house right there at an abandoned house he wants to know where it was filmed. Ah, uh, yes. Nick asks him to take it to where, take him to where it was filmed, and so he does. And at that point, Nick and James Gandolfini have like a scuffly fight, uh, where he um, eventually gets control of James Gandolfini and just leaves. Like he, he ties him up or handcuffs yeah. him, mm-hmm. and then just leaves. Well, he's gonna like shoot him he wants to shoot him yeah he thro- he like seems like he's going to shoot him and james gandolfini says oh with a gun that's registered in your name you'll have to dig the bullets out mm-hmm. um, um like it's a lot of like will he won't he pull the trigger like he eventually like walks away but then he calls mary's mom tells her what happened basically to like get permission to like to kill a guy to yeah to get revenge and she says yeah go ahead yeah so he like goes back in and like pistol whips James Gandolfini to death. Which, um, according to a bit of trivia that I read, the pistol whipping takes place off screen. Is that true? Yeah. Well, so, like the first one doesn't, but the rest of it does. Right. So that was apparently uh, one of the moves they had to make to get it out of NC-17. Oh. With all of the like violent sex stuff that takes place, that's the one they had to make an adjustment on. Dang. Yeah. Which I would imagine it's because it's like the total sum of violence and sex stuff that takes place. So mm-hmm. that was just an easy place for them to make a cut. Yeah. So now James Gandolfini's dead. They burned uh, the building. Well, actually, down. James Gandolfini really is dead, but his character in this film is now dead. Mm-hmm. And then Nick Cage burns the building down. Yep. Which and then he goes on this. A, that's kind of a theme with Nick Cage, burning stuff yeah, down. Yeah, he likes to burn stuff down. Burn it down. So yeah, then Nick goes back to New York to yes. find the machine. Yes. He like calls around to all the local hospitals to find out if there's like a white male who presented with like a stab wound, like an abdomen stab yeah, wound. Yeah, because in the scuffle. A stabdomen, if you will. There you go. That's the one. Uh... In the scuffle, he got stabbed. So he calls a bunch of hospitals, eventually finds the right one, and gets the guy's uh, full legal name, which, believe it or not, is not the machine. What? It's like Todd or some bullshit. I don't believe you. Either way, he gets his name, goes to his house, and there's just a record player with, like, house music, but it's skipping on this same, like, loop. Mm-hmm. and it's a really like pretty spooky scene where nick cage like walks into the house and is like 
slinking around and like the audio design is really great here uh or sound design is really great here um because i kind of got the full feel for like the music and the like nick cage slinking around and then i don't know where the machine jumps out and there was so much tension yeah it was really that was like a tense scene Mm -hmm. Um, it was so uncomfortable yeah but then there's a huge fight um and nick cage gets thrown out of a window Mm -hmm. and the machine follows him oh he's also wearing his mask at this point again or his hood yeah and nick cage cage nick cage keeps uh asking him to take the mask off and finally he does and says something to the effect of i mean did you expect to see a monster because mm-hmm. i'm just a regular dude who like he's just like you know, a white nerdy dude with glasses yeah chubby white nerdy dude so who lives with his mother yeah so then nick cage kills the machine but that's what happens yep hmm uh, I don't remember what this was in reference to, but I wrote it down in my notes and it says, crying Nick Cage is my favorite. Yeah. So after it's all like done, he has a good little weep and then calls the mother, mm-hmm. tells her it's all it's all been, been done mm-hmm. and then returns to his house. And we're all not sure here because earlier his wife said she was thinking about leaving. Mm-hmm. But hooray, his family's there when he gets home. Yay. It's great news. Then the last scene is him raking his leaves in his yard, and he gets a letter from Marianne's mom. Mm-hmm. And it basically says, hey, thanks for caring. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, even without audio description, I feel like it was a not, like, completely unreasonable. And, I mean, again... I ask you some questions. You told me some things, but um, it was not painfully difficult to watch without AD. Mm-hmm. So, like some of the other ones have been. Yeah, like it. It's got a lot of uh, really great like sound design that helps kind of guide your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you think? I thought it was okay. Yeah. It was really long. Like it could have easily been like a half an hour shorter. Yeah. So the guy that directed this, Joel Schumacher, actually uh, died earlier this year in June. Oh. Uh, but he was born in 1939. So he was. Holy God. 81. Or no, his birthday hadn't occurred yet when he died. So he was 80. Um, but he directed the 2004 Phantom of the Opera. And a huge pile of other stuff but like that was the only one that like i was like oh cool mm-hmm. the opera um oh he also directed some house of cards episodes i guess oh um that makes like one of these uh nominations uh very funny to me oh okay do you know when this movie was made again i m- made the mistake because i was like reading trivia and stuff <laughs> but mm-hmm. i initially thought 1997 mm-hmm. uh turns out it was 99 yeah so he was well into his career. The director was well into his career by then. Uh, one of the nominations was for a Stinker Award. Oh, boy. For Worst Sense of Direction. Stop them before they direct again. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So for a dude who was in his 60s at that point in time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I didn't necessarily dig through like the rest of what he... Um, directed Mm -hmm. there was something 
else quite notable in the list, though? Could it have been Batman and Robin? Uh, Yes, it was exactly Batman and Robin, which is another little bit of trivia. Uh, The machine's house. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, like while they were filming those scenes, the neighbors were so like nice and pleasant that uh, Joel Schumacher, the director, gave them some signed uh, Batman and Robin posters. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. He was like, hey, you guys are really cool. So there's some Batman stuff. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, 99, not necessarily like terribly He had a flip phone. Oh, yeah. I guess I didn't consider, I, I didn't, notice any cell phoning stuff i guess yeah he was um i mean he did use pay phones a couple of times yeah but otherwise he did he had a flip phone that he was calling his wife on fairly often um what's what's your rating probably like a six eight dang i gave it a five yeah I, I if just it thought, was shorter, like I think I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, and so the the thing that kind of pushed it for me was the like sound design and the music and stuff helped me uh, kind of visualize it, and I may have been just visualizing it far better than it looked. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of pushed it for me because the sound design I thought was really great. Um, which uh, mm, the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a very heavy Moroccan influence to it. Uh, is this the, the trivia? It's no, no. My trivia is a different, completely different thing. But this oh. is a bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that did the music for it traveled to Morocco um, to get the music for like a CD underground world. Hmm. So kind of is neat. that what Morocco is full of? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Not up on my Moroccan uh, knowledge. <laughs> Do you want to know what the IMDb score is? Oh, probably like 4-2, right? No. It's way close to your score. Oh, really? Yeah. 6-5. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it wasn't garbage, but it also wasn't, you know. Did it win any other awards or? Um, It won a couple of golden fleeces for its trailers. What's a golden fleece? Do you want to know like the historic golden fleece or? Uh, I just hadn't heard of that award before. Um, had you heard of it? I had, but I don't know what it is offhand. Yeah. Um, but just for the trailers? Oh, interesting. Um. Oh, weird. I don't know if this is a good thing. Okay. I'm like reading them. Wait. The, I'm, I'm reading about it, and what I'm finding is that... Uh. The Golden Fleece Award is for, it's a tongue-in-cheek award given to public officials in the United States for their squandering of public money. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, I think this might not be the same one. Golden Fleece Award movie? Yeah. Golden um, Trailer Award? So, while you look for that, I can give you my real bit of trivia. Oh. Do you want my real bit of trivia? I thought we were going to talk about blind stuff before then, but I guess not. Oh, we can. Yeah. What blind stuff you got? You were talking about uh, blind folks today. Oh, yeah. I guess this relates to the HBO announcement from earlier. Yeah. Um, And I I don't necessarily need to get too crazy in it. I just noticed um, 
there are some folks in the blind community and I'm sure there are folks in lots of other like minority or othered communities, i.e. Candace Owens, who uh, seem to rally against positive change for some reason. And I cannot understand why. I don't get it. This announcement from HBO, though they had to be like severely pushed, is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. So to see a comment somewhere for, you know, whatever reason, someone basically saying that audio description isn't all that necessary was just extremely disappointing. And to know that it was a blind person saying it is mm-hmm. just really disappointing. And it, it fits in the, uh, if you're not going to help move us forward, just get out of the way. Thing. Yeah. There's a, there's a phrase or a saying, I don't know what it is, but really like I get that you may be very comfortable with the status quo, but there are a ton of people that are not. Yeah. And like the people that are pushing for positive change should be allowed to push for that positive change without scrutiny from people who are comfortable just chilling. Yeah. Well, there's that one time that we had been talking about that older guy in the blind group um, that I pointed out to you where he was like talking about how entitled like yeah, young people are. Young blind people entitled for wanting like audio description or for wanting braille in certain places mm-hmm. or like accessible restaurant menus and stuff. And it's like that is not entitlement. Yeah. It's not. It's just very like, wow, back in my day. And it's like, yeah, right. well, sorry. Back in your day, a lot of shit was fucked up. So can we move on? Right. Yeah. Just because things were bad doesn't necessarily mean they have to stay bad. And it doesn't take away from these people to not have to go through that suffering. Right. Like, why would you not want the future to be a better place? Right, exactly. It's like, it paves the way wild. Yeah. for things to just continue progressing for future generations yeah. of people with disabilities. So, I don't know. Um, I just, it, I, I do feel like a lot of people are uh, bitter and angry and upset. But that a lot is small when compared to the a lot of people who are absolutely celebrating uh, something like that. And it may seem trivial to some people like entertainment, but obviously we have a podcast about entertainment. So, you know, it's big for us at all, but it's big for me as a person who really enjoys film and television to be able to have the content that I used to enjoy, uh, like from HBO specifically, to be uh, back in my life as something that's accessible. And yeah, it's small. Um it's just film and television. It's not a matter of whether or not I can go to a certain school or whether or not I have certain rights. But right now, in these fucking wild times, like the little things are really important to me. Right. Well, I mean, it. And like to trivialize small stuff like that is um, just not helpful. It keeps you from, like, consuming the media that, like, everyone else gets to. And it's not like you're a very, like, I'm super into, you know, all the mainstream things. But, like, you don't get as much out of, like, pop culture-y things that, like, everyone else does. Like, everyone who is cited does. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's, like, 
that may not seem like a very big deal to some people, but it is a really big deal. We're constantly consuming media. Yeah. And there are definitely instances where I'm like, who's that or what's that in relation to some recent piece of media that wasn't described. Mm -hmm. So, um, and like, why shouldn't you get the same or similar experience that other people do? Like, Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like there's this idea that it creates some kind of undue burden on like HBO or anyone else. But honestly, if you're going to be a media company, specifically a billion dollar media company, I, re- I genuinely think that you can afford to, um, you know pay a couple people to do some audio describing oh something uh, awesome and interesting that i failed to tell you uh this is not just an hbo max thing this is a warner media thing okay so movies too so other television networks owned by warner media which includes oh. cartoon network oh which includes Crunchyroll. oh which includes rooster teeth oh so I used, to consume, I used to consume a lot of Rooster Teeth media, mm-hmm. um, Red versus Blue and similar. So it's really exciting that this is the umbrella and not just HBO Max. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, it's silly. It's television. It's, you know, sit it next to, you know, the right to vote. And... It's just a silly little thing. But it's not a competition. Right. Why can't we do it all at once? Yeah. And we are. And we're doing great. Both. Both is good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's all I have to say about it. Fuck you if you're, like, trying to trivialize the struggles and the wants and needs of other disabled people. Well, and I mean, like, you also think about, like, intersectionality. Yeah. And, like, the fact that, like, I mean, you're a white dude which is not to say that you don't struggle obviously like you have disabilities but like thinking of like the people who have other uh like othered identities yeah who can see something like lovecraft country Mm -hmm. or angels in america or like stories about their identities right and how important that is yeah it's really disappointing that Lovecraft Country is not audio described, and I—that's the one I'm really hoping they go back and do. Yeah. So. It's good, but I stopped watching it because, like, I didn't. I don't know. I guess I felt bad, and like, if they're gonna go back and do it, then I'd rather just watch it with you. Right. Which it's really funny because I sent you screenshots last week of mm-hmm. a message that I sent to the HBO Max Facebook yeah. account yeah. and the Lovecraft Country Facebook account saying, yeah. hey guys, are you going to get around to audio describing anything? <laughs> and then like today this news How breaks. long have they been in litigation? I imagine, yeah, I would imagine since March, but I don't know. Okay. Um, well, yeah, we'll post the, um, the article. The article. And for sure. It has the entire, oh God, if our lawyer friend listens to this, she's going to, tell me what the term is the mm. the the case notes case notes basically <laughs> yeah it's it, it uh, essentially that's what it is yeah yeah um but yeah uh the progress guys yeah. it, it was the american council of the blind mm-hmm. and american council for the blind of the blind i hope it's not american council at the blind nope um either way they they played a big part in it and disability rights advocate um 
was uh, a big player in that case as well. So Good. I'm really happy about it. Um, when you sent it to me, I freaked out. I was I, really excited. It's so exciting. Because um, honestly, it seems like they're the only major player right now without AD. Yeah. So Because like the, uh, the other movie channels are definitely like players of sorts, but like... You know, I, honestly, Showtime's uh, f- close, but... Yeah. Yeah. I'd really like for the other ones to get audio description. Yeah, if this... Again, like, Showtime has Queer as Folk. Showtime has the L word and the real L word and the L word, like, reboot. And, Wait, like... I thought it was called Queer as Fuck. <laughs> Isn't that an office joke? I don't that know. Michael thinks it's called Queer as Fuck. You are the office expert of um, the two of us. No, and so I think, honestly, it's getting to the point, and uh-huh. HBO... What's up, boy? Um, and HBO was honestly hung out to look like a bunch of assholes because if you've got Netflix, if you've got Disney Plus, Hulu, Amazon Prime, all of these uh, providers having audio description, shows with audio description, all their original programming has audio description, and then HBO's out here doing nothing, Yeah, they look like real dingles well and also the apple plus tv or whatever they're the newest kid on the block and, and they really, have audio yeah. description yeah which i saw Tehran. um have you seen that show i have anything about i've seen you're familiar yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah so there was a problem for a while um people weren't able to access the english audio description but they updated it this morning and uh it's now on so if you want to watch yeah, Tehran, go watch it but yeah um we did it, and did it. Uh, honestly, it will surprise me if Showtime and Stars and similar don't follow suit because they'll be the assholes out there on their own mm-hmm. if they don't. So really, I mean, great. This is yeah. just great news. I'm super excited. Um, I got a piece of trivia for you. Do you? Mm-hmm. Okay, hit me About with it. About the film 8mm that we watched today. Well, oh, yeah. Who was Eddie? Was that James Gandolfini's character? I think his name was Eddie. Probably. So when Nick Cage goes in to tap his phone. Oh, yeah. That's James Gandolfini. Yeah. There's a thing sitting on his desk. Sure. It's Nick Cage's Oscar. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) I guess they covered it in like lace and like black strings. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's Nick Cage's Oscar from Raising Arizona. Sure. I think that's the one they got an Oscar for. Either way, Nick Cage's Oscar is just sitting there chilling. Under like ladies' panties? I don't know. It just said lace. So. He has won one Oscar. And it was for Raising Arizona. Uh, um, but yeah, there you go. A little Easter egg for you. So if you watch, <laughs> if you decide to watch this after listening to this episode, keep an eye out for when Nick Cage is tapping the guy's phone. It was for Leaving Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas, okay. That's the one. Yeah. Um, there was something else. About audio description stuff or about Nick Cage or... Oh, the Golden Fleece, the Golden Trailer thing. Oh, yeah. It's just a Golden Trailer award, but it says Golden Fleece. I don't know where the Golden Fleece part comes from, but it's basically just like, obviously, like about trailers. Best trailers, cool. Yeah, so that was... That's what that was about. Uh, You got any announcements for the kids? Any last minute housekeeping? Please go on to our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're at site attendant. 
on all those things. Um, Share us with a friend. Don't make us get a TikTok. Please don't make us get a TikTok. Uh, yeah, please share us with your friends, share us with your family. Um, we did kind of get a little raunch in this episode, but we're not usually that bad. Um, oh, um, yeah, if you uh, are into weird fuck stuff or uh, porn-related stuff uh, and you have friends that are also into that, share this episode with them. They'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So that's your that's your homework for the week is share this with your most biggest pervert friend. <laughs> Uh, which on that note, I'm going to try to reach out to a disability and kink podcast oh. to see if we can get a connection going on there. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So yeah, share with your friends, share with your pervert friends. Share um, with your pervert mom. Yep. Uh, <laughs> at site attendant, anywhere you can find us using the at thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also... If your pervert friends don't have an iPhone, we're on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Amazon Podcasts. Amazon, Google Podcasts. We're all over the place, so there's no excuse. Add us to your weekly listening schedule. I know I get inundated with a bunch of different, like this morning it was like, this one posted, this one posted, this one posted, this one posted. So I'm just like, add it to the rotation, homies. We would like to be one of them. We would. All right. Uh, you got anything else? I'm good to go. Mm, Love you, bye.